Have you seen Inside with Bo Burnham? Oh, yeah, it was great. <laughs> the yeah. Jeff Bezos song. Jeffrey is... Bezos. <laughs> you Congra- did. Congratulations. <laughs> Died. Hour and a half. That's like it's like thirty seconds, and it's like the best part. I feel like that. Like there's a little um, Bo Burnham singing that song inside inside of my dad's head because my dad's like billionaires are earned every money they got, and there's just a little guy like you did it, Jeffrey Bezos. You're the winner. It's It's like I'm like wow. It's a weird thing to to be indifferent fine but like to be so defensive of them is like kind of it's kind of that's what the whole thing is it's like yeah what he doesn't yeah. need your protection you did or- it you won <laughs> i mean i was in new york like the last couple of days <laughs> it's just like it came up a couple different times because all my friends giving me a hard time for like really enjoying inside and oh i loved um, it oh it was amazing and <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It just came up that it was like Jeffrey Bezos won. He just won. So that's great. Game over. Game yeah. over. We can all just not try anymore. Um, are you in like a positive mental place? Really? Yeah. Sure. So I totally. Am, I am too, and I loved inside. Okay, good. <laughs> and then some of my friends that I think are not doing well, like with their mental health, hated it. And they're like, it's just depressing. And I was like, well, yeah, that's like the whole, that was like the whole point. Like it was, I, I mean, I also, I watched it and I was like, wow, like I am really enjoying this. I know a lot of people aren't, a lot of people just aren't going to get it and that's cool. Um, but I hope that everybody comes across a piece of art that they enjoy as much as I enjoyed watching that. Mm. Cause I was like having, I mean, uh, yeah, it was great. I just, uh, yeah, and also the fact that, like, he locked himself in a room for a year. Yeah. And he, like, I, do you um, think he locked himself in the room? No, 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 no. That I was, don't like, think his he locked himself in the shed room. or, you know, like, yeah. outbuilding. Then he would go to, like, his multi-millionaire mansion. Exactly. You know? Yeah. No, so, he doesn't live in that thing. But that was also, that was half the part, too, is that it was, like, how much of this is performative? Like, when he's, like, when he, like, cries in front of the camera, it's, like, you know, like is he crying because he's sad? Or is he crying because, like, oh, this is in the script? This is part of the hero's journey part of the film he needs to have a low point um or is it both and what does that mean and that was you know it's it's a very interesting film um we talk about elevated reality in a different episode what what does that mean well so like basically like when you're on uh, acting in a movie you have to act natural but like mm-hmm. a little plus like a little extra mm-hmm. we're having a conversation but we also know that there's a camera and there's microphones so the like the conversation oh, <laughs> is like you know just ever so much if you're in theater because there you know back in the day there was no you know projection system big screens there were no microphones everything is like very much over the projected top and over so that's like a highly elevated reality kind of thing yeah um so like bo burnham there is probably truth behind the crying, mm-hmm. but he it also was like conveniently when he was mid roll kind of thing. So, but before we before yeah, we what do we have to do? Let me kick this off. Up. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to another episode of this, The Creative Truth. Today I'm joined by Clinton Edminster, the owner of Starlandy Art Supply mm-hmm. Store in the Starland District, downtown Savannah, Georgia, downtown-ish. And uh, I'm super excited because if you know, if you've been in Savannah long enough and you 
spend enough time in the Starlin district, you start to see his face a lot. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so I'm like honored that you take a, take some time out of your day to come talk to me. So um, will you tell the audience a little bit about like where you're from, what your background is? I said something to someone earlier, like he has to be an artist because he has an art supply store. <laughs> I hate art. Yeah. I, I hate figured. it. It's just horrible. Um, and it's just a waste of time, really. Um, not essential. Yeah. <laughs> not as, essential. As we yeah, 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 yeah. Nobody needs to be an artist. It's not fun. You don't gain anything from it. And the world would be a, bit a better place without any art. If we just it's a true form. belief. It's what I really believe. Of course. Yeah. Um. Totally. No. Let's see. What was it? What was the? What was the? Uh... Where's, where's your? Where are you from? Oh yeah. How'd you end up in Savannah? If you're. Oh no. Uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> and then uh, what you so do? Long. Um, all right. Well, uh, hey, thank you for having me on the show. It's always exciting. I love to talk. Um. <laughs> especially this early i was already at an earlier meeting so i've i've you know i've had some it. coffee and I woke we're up here for this that's crazy so. <laughs> i yeah am here um i grew up in alaska which is pretty cool i grew up in homer alaska um and i did i had a wonderful childhood um and had um, a smaller Lego set than any of my neighbors, and that's probably everything anybody needs to know about me. And actually, no, I had a really great childhood, I feel. I was just a uh, kind of a, read a lot and made movies and was interested in a whole bunch of different stuff and was kind of a prankster in school um, and uh, ran for school president, which was fun. And I beat Wyatt Raider's ass. And that was great because I'm, uh, yeah, that was probably the only time I ever won at anything. Um, and uh, living in Alaska was really cool, and I feel like that. Um, and, and the work that I did there, I worked with my dad in the summer on a boat, on a salmon boat. And that really provided me with a lot of very, very helpful foundational skills and assets to be able to um, overcome challenges and problem solve. Um, which has been hugely beneficial, really, in, in sort of anything I do. Um, and so I've, I've found that to be very, very cool, very helpful. Um, and, uh, which makes you my second Alaskan fisherman on the planet. Yeah, it's somebody's going from here to go fishing, which yeah. is absolute madness. And um, But I came from fishing to come here. My, my family's actually still up there. My sister just bought a boat, and she's out there now fishing. Which is cool. It's her first visit? year. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I go up. Um, I haven't been up since, you know, like the plague. But I have been. I usually go about once every year, year and a half or so. Um, it's interesting. Like, I feel like my relationship with Alaska and um, I probably don't think I'll end up moving back there. But it is a beautiful space. Um, but there is no city planning at all and sometimes it drives me a little bit nuts how beautiful alaska is and how um disruptive whoa the, the building <laughs> is <haunted>. magic <laughs> i just feel like um there's no city planning and even small cities just sort of sprawl out everywhere mm -hmm. and it just to me seems very disrespectful to like how beautiful alaska is just have this sort of like sprawl um, which I guess is like a problem everywhere in America, but living in the downtown core of one of the most well-planned cities like in the world, here being Savannah, it's an, it's an interesting contrast between living down here and then 
going back up to Alaska and seeing the development patterns and how um, they are different. So what is your background or interest in city planning? Oh, um, uh, like so much stuff, I think. So like I didn't graduate from college. I dropped out um, from the arts college that is here. And um, but then I just started getting involved in. Well, really, I feel like it was um, I got involved in arts organizing through a nonprofit called DeSoto Row and just did a lot of work around arts advocacy. And I sort of built up a repertoire and a name for myself by doing that because there was a gap. Nobody was really doing that. Um, and then honestly, like Tyler, there's this really specific point in, uh, God, it must've been like four or five years ago where I was sitting at a bar with a bunch of artsy fartsy friends and they were talking about like all these new blogs and all these new artists. And I realized I have no idea what any of them are talking about at all. But what I do know about is that you know, I don't spend a lot of my time thinking about the art world. I do spend a lot of my time thinking about like urban planning and city mm -hmm. planning and engineering and infrastructure. And so I realized, mm -hmm. huh, I could probably d do better with applying some of my free time to advocating for for stuff like that. So for infrastructure, for public art, not necessarily for arts. Um, or I guess they're both, you know, they're sort of inextricably tied. Um, but I realized that really I've got a passion for like city planning, infrastructure, the built landscape, transit, stuff like that. And so I kind of started to shift and um, was, was thankfully able to sort of say like, hey, look, like I was really effective as an organizer in the arts. Like, will you let me be an organizer around city planning and or, or neighborhood community development? And it's not like anybody said yes, because it's not like anybody's in that position, but I feel like the city was very favorable to um, having some extra energy and some extra input from myself um, to help with advocacy around those fronts. So does that make any sense at all? It does. Okay. Um, I mean, and you're providing, you know, what, what at least what from the outside people would be like the more artistic uh, perspective. Yeah, to, I get to, that a lot. To a lot of like engineer minded people. Oh, yeah, kind of that happens a lot. Yeah. So <laughs> what, what brought you to Savannah in the first place? Um, I came to the art school here. Oh, for, and, okay, for school. Yeah. From, from Homer. From, from Homer, I, I ended up spending a year, my final, my, my uh, senior year of high school in a arts boarding high school in California, which was okay. awesome, called Idlewild Arts Academy. And there I did, I was in film and television, um, and I got really interested in visual effects. And so I wanted to move into doing visual effects full time at Pixar. That was like, that was my goal. Like that was what I wanted to do. And I had a 30 year plan for how I was gonna do it. And I spent two years in university kind of going that way. And then I realized, oh, I definitely don't want to know what I'm doing for the next 30 years. Like I literally had this like written out plan. It was like, okay, do this and do that, do that and do that. And then you'll end up at Pixar. And, um, and I looked at that list and I was like, that is the most boring thing I could ever do. There's just no actual interesting like life adventure there. Um, so I dropped out of school <laughs> and I'm really glad that I did. I feel like it was a good decision for me. Um, and one that everybody should at least contemplate that you have the ability to make that decision. Um, although maybe it's not the best decision for you at the time. And that's how I got to Savannah because I wanted to go work at Pixar. I wanted to do visual effects. So and at the point you stopped 
attending said art school in Savannah. Yeah. Um, you were like 20? I don't remember. But it's been a minute. And 20? 21? What'd you do then? So then I got involved in... Um, I was, I was at Foxy Loxy doing literally nothing, and I heard a guy at the bar, you know, talking to the barista and complaining that no volunteers were showing up. Volunteers were crap at showing up to his nonprofit arts gallery. And I was like, I bet I could show up. And I did. <laughs> and I have uh, for like the last nine years. Um and so so I started volunteering at DeSoto Row Gallery, which was in the Starland District. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, that was, yeah, that was in 2009, 2010. And, you know, Starland was very different back then. And DeSoto Row was about literally the size of this room. And we were a tiny little gallery. And I was just, you know, started out as a volunteer. And then I would make posters. And then I would, like, watch the gallery. And then we had a coup. And we overthrew the board. And I became the executive director. And then we multiplied the size of the organization over four years to, like, a close to $100,000 budget. And then I started Starlandia in 2015. And um, that's kind of how that story goes and in the in the in those times when we were growing that budget um we changed the name from DeSoto Row Gallery to Art Rise Savannah hmm. and we had a really awesome core group of um of folks both volunteers and and like one paid staff too it was like myself and Kayla Goggins um and and we produced three different programs uh we had a gallery, nonfiction gallery, which is where um, there's like a new spa that opened up next to Bull Street Taco is. And we had a arts newsletter called the Savannah Art Informer. And we ran the first Friday art march for five years in a row, every month on the first Friday. And um, that was by far our most impactful program. And it's still kind of going on today. Hmm. And then in 2015, I decided to open Starlandia and then ended up having to leave ArtRise because it was just too much to handle. Um, And it sort of dissolved after that point. Um, There are some other art supply stores in town. So what was like the, uh, the idea like, oh, I think an art supply store on Bull Street where... Like you said, it wasn't what it is now. Mm-hmm. Why did you think like, oh, this would be a good idea? Um, well, mainly the business model was different from the other um, uh, retail stores in town. There was a we had an entirely different sort of a business model, which prov- which is a, like a hybrid of new and reclaimed um, assets. And so what that allows us to do is provide um, the lowest cost uh, for supplies, hands down. And so that sort of gives us a freedom to be able to be in business. Um, uh, Margins on art supplies or margins in retail aren't necessarily that great. But with the reclaimed aspect, um, we definitely were able to, like, you know, get started. Mm -hmm. And I think the location was key. And really, I knew I wanted to be within, like, two or three blocks, like, of that intersection. um, Because I I had been involved with the Starland District um, for a while and saw, like, its growth, saw its potential. And the potential for the Starland District is embedded in two things. A, the layout of the streets and the zoning. And you combine, that's the hardware that that location is running on. And it's 
excellent hardware. You've got a well-coordinated um, grid pattern of streets, and you also have fantastic zoning, um, which allows for very flexible mixed-use space with high density. And so if you've got, if that's the hardware that you're working with, then you bring in the software, which I would describe as the businesses, um, the events, you know, sort of the stuff that's living on top of the actual sidewalks and infrastructure of the, of the area. Um, what you end up with there is just a fantastic mix that is very resilient um, and and is and is and and will grow. It just will grow. And then you add to that sort of the pressure of downtown of downtown Savannah being very successful, and it's sort of just this geometry of growth is happening in this direction. What's going to happen here? We can't go up. We can't, we can't go up. We, we can't. We can't go north. We can't go up. We can't go east. So you can't go west. Yep. So, you know, if there's a car coming towards you, what do you think? And you're over here. What's going to happen? It's going to hit you at some point. And it is and it has and it will be. Um, and and so, I, you know, I just sort of saw that coming. And I think a number of folks did. And and also that's where I was living and I'm really lazy and I just don't want to have to <laughs> like walk anywhere <laughs> like and I didn't have a car so I needed to open a business that was like near where I lived in walking distance um and um so yeah so um you stepped down from Artrise you're now you you've opened up Starlandia are you working like are you manning the store yourself? Or are you hiring employees? Oh, we've or? just got the best employees. We've got we've got the best employees. My deputy store manager right now is Emma, and then we also have Olivia, we've got Mary, and we've got Dylan. And then we also kind of have Sam and we um, sometimes my friend John helps out. Um, and also my good friend Kobe, who uh, comes in the store sort of randomly and helps us out. So I mean, yeah, we've got a crew of people um, working on the store. Mm. all the time processing stuff inventorying stuff you know merchandising cleaning i mean it's like it's a full-blown operation and we pay taxes which for me is sort of like you know like we're, we're a legitimate store like which which always blows my mind is that we're like a full-blown actual operation i've got a bookkeeper there's a cpa money comes in a whole lot of money goes out people get paid on time you know it's like it's a functioning business and that is still blows my mind that that's actually happening, you mm. know, like and uh, and that, that's my source of income. That's how I get paid. You know, that's how I afford my car. And I was going to say this coffee, but this was provided to me for free. So <laughs> thank you for the There's coffee a tip jar over there. Yeah. <laughs> OK, no, <laughs> I don't see any. <laughs> no. Um, so what about your um, your dad? Is he still a, a fisherman? Yeah, my um, yeah. So my dad is nuts and the coolest person and such a mystery, um, and definitely the hardest worker I've ever met in my life. And he is still a fisherman up in Alaska. Um, he is working with my sister on her boat, so she's actually Captain Morgan now, and he is not Captain Mark. Um, I don't know what that's called, deckhand Mark, um, which I think is cool, and that's going to be an interesting interpersonal conflict that you know because like because like he's always been because my sister and me would go out as deckhands working Mm. for my dad for like seven or eight years um and my sister longer than that and so this is an interesting switch where now it's like okay morgan's in charge dad's the deckhand but he's also going to be you know this like wise philosopher of information and um 
and also probably pain in the ass because uh, that's what great dads are um but he in the summer usually works on a boat as like a boat captain mm. um, um and he's someone he usually in the past couple of years gets contracted out by folks who own boats to captain that boat and then in the winter he's a refrigeration mechanic or actually he creates refrigeration units for crab boats mm. so you need to put crab in cold water um and so he creates saltwater refrigeration units where salt cold you know fairly warm salt water comes in and very cold salt salt water comes out and these machines are so cool looking they look like pod race engines you know just mm. kind of a long tube and um it's incredibly complex and and really like a work of art um and it's just like a, a a true feat of plumbing in a very small very detailed scale and i'm blown away that he knows how to do that is he artistic at all well you know i think like what does that mean oh, okay. like what does that mean you know yeah. and i would say like when i look at those machines all i see is like is absolute art mm. i mean there's an art to being able to like weld things together well there's an art to being able to solder copper and aluminum together you know there's an art to to just making the whole thing work and flow and this combination of form and function um and it's been interesting because he'll create a refrigeration unit, um, which sort of looks like a like a an engine, you know. Like if you were to look at an internal combustion engine, it's mm -hmm. got you can tell that it's got you know there's a lot of different parts, and it's usually all the same color. And he's recently started to paint these different vibrant colors, and they look like a three dimensional like Mondrian painting of like bright white, bright blue, bright red, and each one is sort of like you know the uh, the condenser is red and the piston casing i have no idea what i'm talking about right now is blue sure. you know and like the wheel the belt wheel house thingy is 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 white and so you can look at it and you can start to understand visually you know that that the machines that he's creating are are smaller machines working together to achieve the goal um that he is you know or any inventor or any you know any um person is uh is working on um so i would like you know i would say that he 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 does because i think that he takes he he works on this stuff with care mm -hmm. so what was like your first exposure to you said you'd like grew up making movies and you know um did did he or somebody have a camera that you were able to play with um, or was it just in school? Yeah, no, like you know, my family had like a like a VHS camera. Yeah. Um, so you'd shoot with, with linear style, where it's like you shoot this scene and then yeah, you shoot the next yeah, scene in yeah, order and yeah, and then you just you know you figure out how it works and it's and then you you know I remember figuring out like stop motion and then like being able to splice and then I mean this was also so interesting because I feel like I grew up from like. When I first got into it, it was like this enormous VHS machine, mm -hmm. with like, and everything was like, you know, light blurs everywhere. And then as I got older, like by the time I graduated, it was it was the iPhone. Like I graduated from high school the year that the iPhone came out, which was sort of like the end and the beginning um, of like digital media. And yeah, I remember like my life conflict was. How do I get film into the computer? Mm -hmm. How do you do that? Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my God, all these things are so expensive. Like, all I want to do is get film 
into the computer. Once it's in the computer, then I'll be fine. But it was this whole, you know, we had to, my friend Trevor and I would make all sorts of little short movies and stupid little Star Wars things. And, um, and you just figure out how to problem solve, you know, like with any of it, I think um, you just figure it out and you get uh, comfortable with making a ton of mistakes. Thank you. There we go. Um, so That's crazy. I like that. <laughs> it is only that one. So it's yeah. like it keeps the guests uh, mm-hmm. focused. In, uh, yeah, I am <laughs> so focused. Um, you seem like you're very committed to helping the Savannah community. But you also mentioned that like maybe someday you would go back. But like, is there something? Oh, no, I definitely won't. Okay, you definitely won't. <laughs> I don't think. I don't think I'm going to You're, you're changing the record. It. Also, I don't think I'm going to end up. My like my dream plan is actually to have like a couple different, um, is is to have a couple different homes. Yeah. Um, where Same. I feel comfortable in, and mm-hmm. one of them will it's too always hot in the be summer Savannah. Here. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty toasty. <laughs> one of them will always be Savannah, and um, you know, I do like the idea of. Uh, yeah, life is long, so I don't know. I'm not gonna. I'm not planning on. Yeah, I don't even know how to answer that question. Uh, so, well, what is it about Savannah? You said, it, you know, like, what is it about Savannah that you like? Oh, that's a great question. Well, I know, um, that, I know the uh, city planning is something you've grown to kind of really appreciate and love. It is. I would also say that Savannah is in the South. So there's a whole bunch of, of there's a whole bunch of societal challenges to overcome that I have never been exposed to or never was exposed to in Alaska, mm-hmm. which is, um, been absolutely fascinating um i think dealing with like the the legacy of race the legacy of slavery the legacy of being an old old ass state in like one of the founding countries in america um is entirely new and definitely a uh a complete challenge and an opportunity to learn more about like how i operate and how i try to work in the world um that i that i don't think I would have ever been exposed to in Alaska and I and I can kind of you know when I talk to a lot of friends up in Alaska or even in like Seattle or Portland it's kind of just this like it's just I feel like they haven't had the same um, they haven't had to figure out like the same challenges and 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 uh, resolution of America as much as we have to down here in the south um, which is like you know, in in some circumstances, kind of frustrating, but also like such a fantastic, you know, ability to like grow and become a better person. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something I've really, you know, I really like that. I really like that about the South. I really like that about really any place that um, just has a lot of diversity and is really open to kind of taking a deep breath about itself and trying to do better, um, which. I do think we are trying to do in Savannah, although it's sometimes difficult to see that. Um, and then also the size of the city is really hell, has has been um, really effective at being able to like prototype different ideas out and and do different projects. Um, I think it's been you know like for the for the art march uh, for the first Friday art march, the city was um, very uh, interested in in seeing that and. And when I say the city, I don't mean the government, but it seems to me that like the community was really interested in seeing that work um, and trying it out. 
and and I would say the same with Starlandia as well and a whole bunch of different sort of projects I've been involved in is that you can kind of prototype something it's not so big that you're gonna you know brew, you have to have like an enormous amount of capital to get something started and it's not so small that no one cares that no one cares um, it is kind of in the sweet spot and I think that's actually specifically more to like downtown and 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 really it's I, I think you know that's a when I'm talking about like the community I guess that's people who have access to that through transportation and like um, who can get to the things that I've been trying to prototype or working with groups to try to prototype uh, what kind of groups Oh, wow. That's a, um, because hmm. I know you're super involved and in, I've listened to you on other podcasts. So, yeah, yeah. So, um, so wait, what, what question am I answering now? So what, um, organizations have you gotten involved with since you found this interest in city planning? Oh, well, probably one of the first ones was the Savannah Development and Renewal Authority, um, which at the time was run by, no, 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 back up a little bit more. At ArtRise, we came across this idea of creative placemaking, and it really spoke to me a lot. And it's this whole idea of sort of like using creativity to, there's a whole bunch of different ideas about creative placemaking. But one, you know, one way to think about it is it's using creativity and art to activate spaces in your city and make them better, safer, stronger, more economically sound. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever goal you want or combination of goals. And so a couple different ideas uh there are murals uh parklets which are those where you take over a parking space and you turn it into outdoor dining or you turn it into a little park um uh you know uh interesting colorful crosswalks um events uh outdoor marketplaces these are all sort of ideas where you're using a bit of creativity to leverage the resources that are already present and present them in a new way and and when I saw that and some of the work that Art Place America was doing, um, which is, I think, I think that's what it's called. Um, there's some like there's some really cool ideas around that that I was like, I want to be involved in that. Like, that's what I want to do. So at ArtRise, we worked on a couple different projects in partnership with the Savannah Development and Renewal Authority. One of them was a better block where we took, or the better block Starland, where we took sort of the uh, uh, the the, tr- the template for the art march and applied it to an afternoon on a Friday, but focused it all on a block that we shut down on Bull Street. So we shut down like three city blocks. We created like bike lanes and crosswalks and murals and all this stuff, and um, and it was hugely successful. And then it rained a lot. Um, and that was a really fun combination of being able to see like what can city streets do for us in different ways if we don't hand them all over to traffic. Mm-hmm. And it was really fun. Um, and then a couple of years after that, I ended up joining the board for the SDRA. Um, and then they defunded the whole thing, which was sad. And uh, so I've been involved with the SDRA, the Thomas Square Neighborhood Association. Um, I did a lot of work there. Um, is that basically like Starland. Starland slash Thomas Square? Like Yeah, Starland is within Thomas Square. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And did a lot of work there. Um, got a lot of heat for supporting a lot of projects. Um, I'm very pro-density and I'm pro 
um, developments and I'm pro housing, any housing. You wanna build luxury housing, you wanna build affordable housing, you wanna build middle income housing, workforce housing, I really don't care. Um, as long as it's got the word housing in it, then that's great. And I'll definitely probably support it. And I continue to get a lot of heat for like my views on housing, but I've become honestly a lot more unapologetic about it. And we just Good. need to build a crap ton of housing, yeah. you know? And again, like rich people need to live somewhere and poor people need to live somewhere. And if a rich person wants to live or a poor person wants to live, then the rich person will win. And like, that's not mm. a bias. That's just a fact. That's just called real estate in a like capitalist market. And unless we want to try to like solve capitalism before thinking about how we're going to deal with it locally, then okay, be my guest. But <laughs> that's going to be a big challenge. And I would say we just need to build more housing. Um, and I think a great a great a great example of that is um, I was a big supporter of the new SCAD buildings where uh, on Victory, mm -hmm. which are enormous, and they um, at an MPC meeting, I, I read a statement that was in support, and then a commissioner who was voting on whether to allow for higher density or an extra floor or something like that said, "Won't this building lower the cost of, of housing? Won't this building?" Um, uh, how do you put it? Won't this building decrease the amount that landlords can charge in housing around the area? And yes. I was like, well, duh, that's the absolute point. That's exactly why we're doing this. Because yeah. people want two things at the same time. They want their housing, they want their housing value to go up if they own a home, and they want people to have affordable housing. And those are literally diametrically opposed. They are diametrically opposed. I don't think there's any sort of give around how if your housing is more expensive, your housing is gonna be more expensive. And I think one of the best ways to combat that is through a market-based approach where you provide more options in the market. Supply. You just provide more supply. Although that takes a, a while to do. I mean, houses can't just come on board like that. They have to be zoned correctly and they have to be you know, built correctly and they have to be built to code and it's expensive. And new housing is very likely not gonna be uh, the most affordable housing in the area, but we still need to build it. And additionally, we need to find ways to subsidize the building of new housing as well so we can have that be as close to affordable or market rate as we can. There's usually way too much um, negativity around new development and new housing. Mm -hmm. And people usually, you know, everybody's like, those new apartments are ugly. And they're too, you know, they're, they're ugly. And But if they were pretty, they'd be expensive, mm -hmm. you know? And if they were, I mean, it's expensive to build stuff. It's expensive to build stuff. The And um, it just is. It just is, and I think we've got to find, I would like city council to be far more aggressive at being able to find ways to make those costs lower. And I think some of the best ways to do that are through zoning. And so not requiring as much parking, um, being able to create smaller rooms, being able to build taller, being able to build to the maximum of the lot that you're building on um, are all really effective ways at allowing developers to build to maximize that cost um, or to maximize their investment. Have you spent time in any cities that are similar as far as like size and? I haven't. So, you know, that might just throw out all the things I just said. <laughs> but I have just not. Just curious. Just I curious. I have not. Yeah. Um, 
Savannah's really been like the only place I've lived other than like Homer, Alaska, which is like 6,000 people and Idlewild where, um, yeah, I was living in like the school housing there. Yeah, when you're here, there's kind of like this intangible something, um, je ne sais quoi, right, to Savannah, mm-hmm. like this magic a little bit. At least a lot of people have that same kind of center. Like, I don't know what it is, but there's just something about Savannah. Um, and yeah, I wonder if that exists in other places. And to me, it feels like people don't know about the Southeast, yeah. generally speaking. Like, they go to, I want to go on a trip, I want to go to you know, out west, basically. Everyone wants to go out west. And no one wants to go to the south. And uh, and then the people that do come to Charleston, Savannah, St. Augustine, they're like, oh, it's, like, pretty nice. And people are accepting. And I was like, yeah, People are very this, nice. Yeah. There's a southern charm, but then there's mm-hmm. also, like, a, just every walk of life type of people. Um Maybe sort of an aside, but when I was recently in New York over the weekend and I went and checked out a couple different art supply stores to see, like, how do they do it? Um, Because we're running into a space problem at Starlandia, so we're having to go up and denser. Mm. And so New York's a perfect place to consider, okay, you know, real estate is really expensive in New York, so how do you maximize you know, the amount of product you can You're put. You're in the grocery store, the things that... Yeah, no, literally, and they work. They work <laughs> yeah. great, yeah. Um, and it kind of adds to it. But... One thing I noticed is that you walk into an art store in New York and and um, and nobody greeted me. Like, nobody yeah. greeted me. And that's my number one pet peeve at the store. Like, if you're an employee at Starlandia, I don't care if you don't know anything about art. As long as you say, welcome to Starlandia, and you say so in a nice, genuine, smiley manner, then, like, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine with me. Um, because... Yeah, like you, I want everybody that comes into the store to just feel like, oh, okay, I can be here. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm. They are the people working here are glad that I'm here, and and that was interesting in New York because I definitely didn't necessarily feel that way all the time. See, when I go through TSA up there and they're like, get back in line, I'm like, I'm, <laughs> I'm home. <laughs> I'm home. <laughs> My people. <laughs> are you still making art? Are you still interested in animation or filmmaking or any sort of... Not really. I mean, sometimes I'll, like, I was making, I was I was interested in making, like, really high-end paper mache lamps, um, like lamp bases earlier this year, and then I just, like, never finished any of them. Um, and uh, I think I want to make more art related to, like, signage around the store this summer. Um, but I don't think I make art anymore really i'm cool with that i will if i wanted to i have a cool art store i've talked to go to (laughs) yeah right exactly you know where to get everything if you need anything um i've talked to some other people who are not artists professionally Mm -hmm. but they have some sort of outlet Mm-hmm. Um, and if it, whether or not that's important for them. So my outlook currently is trying to figure out how computers work. Um, I've been doing a lot of these sort of. Uh, I, I, I'm. Uh, I think my outlet is just sort of being curious in something. Um, and not planning thirty years out. Just kind of. Yeah, and being like totally cool with that. I'm so on board with actually with like for the next five months being really interested in like in computers and specifically transistors and logic gates and never, ever, ever applying any of that at any time in my life to anything useful 
and I'm totally down with that. Like, I have no desire to actually become a computer scientist or to build a computer or to, like, this probably has no actual application to my daily life, but it is interesting and it is something that um, is definitely, like, an outlet for me and is a way to sort of engage my brain in a different way. Um, you're stagnating too much. You're like, I'm going to learn something I know nothing about. Yeah, and I'm, <laughs> I don't care what I get out of it. And I'm, um, I feel like I've kind of, do, I've been doing that for a minute, but I've really started to engage just like, oh, I don't care. I'm just going to learn. I'm just going to do it. Um, and I'm having a blast. I just got this cool, like, oscilloscope and breadboard from my friend Murray and I was playing with like resistors and I blew so many LEDs. I mean, I just completely blew them apart um, and I have no idea why. So uh, that's fun. It's just fun to make mistakes. <laughs> it's just, especially like in like, there's no risk. There's just no risk at all. And I'm just like, doop -a -doop -a -doop, playing mad scientist and it's so much fun. Hmm. So I still don't know how computers work. I really have no idea. I don't think anybody does. I think when like when cr creating art, um, there is this part of yourself that has to be like, I don't care what anyone's going to think of it. Um, I just need to do, if I'm writing song lyrics or mm -hmm. if I'm a painting, mm -hmm. it's like you keep, it po keeps popping in your brain. Like, what are people going to, are people going to like this? And then you have to be like, I don't care. I'm Screw just, it. <laughs> I'm just doing Nobody it. cares. It's Nobody a, cares. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody exactly. cares. And then, um, and then, yeah, so you just like find what makes you happy and um, do that. And then that came to me, that came later in life. Have you always been pretty confident in who you are and what you, you know, stand for kind of thing? I think so. Kind of, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Um, um, yeah, I think that's evolved as to maybe why I feel comfortable. Um, and it, maybe it went from just being like not aware to being aware and then maybe a little bit like concerned about being aware and now I'm aware and I just don't care. Does that make sense? Nope. All right, great, perfect. <laughs> I don't care, I just don't care. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you know? Also, I think running for office over the last year was really like, oh, I really don't care. Like I really don't care. And that has been so freeing. Mm. Um, because I feel like I, I now know what it feels like to actually really care. Um, to, like, be second-guessing kind of everything you do all the time. Because uh, when I was running for office, it was just, it's such a, like, am I talking to this person in the right way? Am I crossing the street in, a, in the right way? Am I, like, shopping the right way? Am I looking the right way? Am I posting on Facebook the right way? Am I answering the phone the right way? Am I going to work? Am I driving? Like, am I doing this the right way so I don't? a vote and now i just oh my god it was crazy and now i'm just like mm, i don't care <laughs> and i think that if i were to run for office again which i think i probably would um i would approach it with with a little bit less of that i think it's still i mean like you still definitely have to you know if you want to win then you have to you know curry favor with everybody and that is such a difficult and enormous task um but i would probably just not care as much and try to be more of my authentically messy self mm. which i'm a disaster and i'm also a child so 
that's what I'm definitely sure of. So anything on the horizon? Like any, have you thought about like if you were to run for something or if you were to join another organization, is there anything? Well, I'm trying to do some murals right now. Um, I think that would be fun. We need a lot more murals in town. Um, I'm trying to do more public art. Um, uh, hopefully I'll be re-censured by the cat board, which is always exciting. I was already censured once and it's censured, not censored censured once so i'm gonna to try to get censured again because that was fun um and uh the store is just doing great so we're continuing to reinvest and grow that um as much as possible um i want to do a play i want to be in a play i don't know i really don't know what advice would you give to a 17 year old version of yourself oh um back in home don't listen to that stranger Never mind. Uh, <laughs> the stranger being me, not some weird person. 17 me back at home? Um, I don't know. I think I would be too concerned that I would alter where I'm at right now. How about it's right? not you, but it's just somebody that's... Just some remind, other 17-year-old? Yeah, yeah, that reminds you of you, like a young version of yourself. I would say um, respect yourself, respect others, and be safe. Because I have a... 14 year old friend who sometimes works at the store and I tell them that very often and I think it's very key as long as they're respecting themselves and really thinking about what that means and respecting others and being safe they're probably going to be just fine and also nobody cares you know and just like just do it just do it but do it in the context of respecting yourself respecting others and being safe as long as you're following those, then just do it. Just go for it. Mm. So that's what I would say to anybody. I like it. Um, what um, What do you want to plug? Um, How can people find out? Can people connect with you? Can people follow you somewhere? Can people visit a website? You know, go to a I would follow media? Starlandia. It's cool. It's a fun little page to follow and go shopping at Starlandia. Um, and if you're living in town, you should write a letter to the MPC that you like my mural idea for a freeform mural wall where there will be, like, anybody can just go and paint on the mural. That's mm. my plan. It's not a design. It's an open free-for-all. Mm. Um, which was kind of difficult to like communicate to NPC staff. They were like, yeah, but who's the artist? And I'm like, there is no artist. And they were like, okay, but what's the design? And I was like, there is no design. <laughs> you just say paint here. Anybody can paint here. So, so go, you know, make, I'm trying to make that happen. And letters of support would be great. Um, is there a website or anything for that? No. Yeah the mpc.org but you need to google it because if you type it in it doesn't work okay um i'll link it below i don't know i would honestly i would just i i wouldn't really plug i don't have much to plug if you need art supplies go to starlandia um and then just get involved in your local neighborhood association i think that's a big thing like get involved and do good work um find something that's local and get involved with it and um, figure out a way to not be a burden for that organization, but to actually help and um, and make make more art, make murals happen. You know, download podcasts, support people, and um, you know stuff like that. So, in upcoming episodes of the Creative Truth, I'm going to be talking to more artists, entrepreneurs, and creative professionals to help discover their path to success. Um, 
If you have episode feedback or guest suggestions, you can email me at wecreatetruth at gmail.com. You can visit the website creative-truth.com to learn more, get some swag, get some mug, get some hats, apparel. Mm-hmm. Um, you, If you're listening on iTunes, please leave me a good review. If you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. I appreciate you listening. Clinton, I appreciate you spending some oh time God. with me on this a Wednesday This has been an absolute morning. pleasure. Yeah, thank you so much. And uh, we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you.